beauty about the Bible, Lord, is that it speaks for itself. It really doesn't need to be elaborated on. And as much as I can flower it up and add and etc. and give my 10 cents worth, Lord, I do pray today, Lord, that your word would speak for itself, Lord. The scriptures that are shared, Lord, would point to the truth. And that we would have open hearts and open minds to, ha- to hear and to receive. Ask this in your mighty name. Please, Lord Jesus, come be with us. Amen. Amen. So, um, if I had to give today's uh, a message a, a title, it would be this, Purpose. Purpose. And um, I love the gospel. It's like a diamond. Imagine a big, like a Cullinan diamond, this big diamond that's been cut and polished and you hold it. And whichever way you look at it, it's the same thing. You can turn it around and light just reflects off it and the colors are dispersed and what have you. And the gospel is the same thing. No matter which way you look at it, you can turn it around and around. It says the same thing. It points to the same thing. And that's Jesus Christ. Whole gospel. Whatever passage, whatever scripture you go to, wherever you go to in the Bible, it points to the same thing over and over and over again. And so when I'm sharing with people, when I have coffees with people and I'm talking about stuff, it's like we go full circle and we come back to where we started. And then we go full circle and you go off on a tangent, you come back to where you started. And you just and the gospel just keeps doing that. It just makes sense. <laughs> it's a complete picture. And I love and I love that. And so um so the difficulty in putting a message together on us for a Sunday is that you've got to avoid all the tangents. Because uh, like I was chatting to my wife yesterday and she's like, yeah, and what about this and what about that? Yeah, I said, yeah, I can add that and I can add that. And we can we can go home at nine and I can add that and add that and we can go home at 10. And then I can go there and I can expand on that because there is so much wealth. There's so much depth. So I'm going to try and keep it in a straight line. Okay, so bear with me. So um, probably the greatest question or the most common question asked today is, what is my purpose? And I know Christians ask that sometimes, but I know the world definitely asks that. And the world goes to seek out what is their purpose. And so what do they do if they're not Christian? Well, they give themselves to causes or work or financial reward or some kind of satisfaction, whether it's trail running or, and those things in and of themselves are not sinful, but they're not God honoring. So the world, even the world is looking for a purpose. Why am I here? What, what's my purpose? And, um, and we should be asking the same question. Well, what is my purpose? And so as I started to put this together, <laughs> it's like, okay, there isn't one, there's a few. But the one leads to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. So, so bear with me. Purpose one, simple. It's to spend forever in the presence of God. It's our primary purpose. The whole Bible is about God trying to reconcile himself with the world. Why? So that we can spend eternity with him. And how do we do that? Well, I, 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 well in fact, before we get there, let's, let's just read. And I... <laughs> I know this is the watered-down version, and I don't often quote from the message, but sometimes the message 
tells it in a way that it's easy to understand. So I'm only using one scripture today from the message, so forgive me, but bear with me as I read it to you. And it comes out of Ephesians, and it says this. Listen to this. And he says, how blessed is God. And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ. And he takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had you and me in mind. It settled on us as the focus of his love. Listen to what he's saying. To be made whole and holy by his love. Listen to that. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Christ Jesus. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. God planned you and me before creation. Why? Out of love. He made you out of love. He made you to love. He made you so that he could love you. He made you so that you could love him. He made us so we could love one another. Out of love. And he had a plan. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. That was his plan. And that's God's purpose. <laughs> but here's a consideration. We have a choice, don't we? I might have said this before, and I'm sorry if I did, but I'm going to say it again. You do realize without choice, love cannot exist. You know that. If God took away our choice, then love is not an option. Love can only exist if you have the choice to love. And I know that borders on philosophical, and it's always something to consider. But the power of that means that God says, I can't force you. I can, but I won't ask him to love. Even though he's predestined, even though he wants us to be with him forever, he says, I'm asking you to choose me. And that's how love works. So what's our choice? Well, Romans 10.9 says that. And I, again, we know the scripture because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then he repeats it in verse 10, but the other way around. He says, because it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and with your mouth that you confess and you're saved. That's the choice. Purpose one, confess. And I trust that everyone here today has confessed and believes in their heart that Jesus rose from the dead. See, when he rose from the dead, you know what he did? He killed death. He put death to death. <laughs> and he promises us life because of that. Destroy death. He says, so if you choose me, I'll give you the life that I have. The joy out of that is that, look, I'm, I can't particularly say that I'm looking forward to dying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not looking forward to dying. But I'm looking forward to the resurrection that comes after that. That's the start of joy forever. Come on. So our purpose. What's our purpose? To be saved. And I'd ask you today, and we ask this most weeks, are you saved? 
Have you confessed with your lips? And do you believe in your heart? Because if you haven't, I want to say to you today, you need to do that. Let me tell you something. If you go to gym, you can join a gym, you can pay the money, and you can go every day. But if you don't work out, nothing's going to change. You can go to church every Sunday, and you can go to community, and you can give your tithe. But if you don't confess and believe, it's not going to make any difference on that day of judgment. You have to commit. You have to commit. So I'm not trying to be flippant about this. I'm being serious about this. If you haven't, we need to pray for you. Because going and being part of doesn't guarantee you anything. It's here and here. Amen. So our primary purpose is to be saved. Hallelujah. Starts there. And then, oh, and then what? Well, God says, yeah, I want you to be saved. But there's more. I came across the scripture, oh, and it broke my heart. Deuteronomy 5.29. Now, take it off. So Deuteronomy is is like an overview. It's like a recapture of what's happened. All the things that have gone. So Deuteronomy is written in a way like this happened, then this happened, then this happened. It's like a like a like a kind of an umbrella view. And God's in Deuteronomy, just before this scripture, God's just given the Ten Commandments to Moses. And then he says this to Moses. And I want you to read this with me. He says, verse 29, he says, Oh, that their hearts would be inclined. To fear me and keep all my commands always, so that it might go well with them and their children forever. This is not a God that's threatening or angry or vengeful or he's, there's a cry here to say, oh my word. If they would just lean towards me, if they would just posture their hearts in my direction, I'll take care of them. I'll look after them. You know, that word fear is not a terrified fear. He's not calling us to live in a fear like, oh my word, God is going to, he's going to hurt me. He's going to strike me dead. No, it's a fear. It's a fear that calls for reverence. God, you're so big, so powerful. And it, I've got three kids, I tell you every week, I'm sure. One's in there, and I've got, got a son of nearly 20 and a daughter of 16. I can't tell them what to do anymore. Even my 16-year-old. I, she's an adult. But I would sit her down. She's a young adult. I would sit her down, and I would say to her and to my son, I would say, can I just, I just want to warn you. Don't, don't do that. I did that, and it hurt me. I got, I got scars. I made a mistake when I, when I did that. And I carry the burden of that mistake even today. So I can't tell you don't. And you know what? You can go and do it, and you'll probably even recover from it like I did. But you'll carry a scar. So I'm asking you, I'm suggesting, I'm, in, I'm, I'm like beseeching you, Nick, don't do that. Save yourself the heartache. That's what God's saying in that scripture. Put it up again, please. 
He says, oh, that their hearts. He's just given them the Ten Commandments, and he's saying, but if they would just posture their hearts to me, it will go well with them. You know, God says to the Israelites over and over and over again, I will make your land produce abundantly. You will have big grapes and wheat fields and cattle, and I'll keep your enemies at bay, and I'll look up. But please, just incline your heart to me. It's no different today. God's not interested in our money and our wealth. He'll give it. Will you incline your heart to him? And um, then, only about six or seven verses later in Deuteronomy, he says to Moses, the scripture that is quoted by Jesus in the New Testament, in Deuteronomy 6, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. It's a cry from God to say, yes, I've given you the rules, but I'm not asking you to live by the rules. I'm asking you to love me, and the rules will follow from that. So what's our second purpose? To love him. We know that. John 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, you'll keep my command. If you love me, come inside. Hi, guys. Hi. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. Matthew 22, we know this. Jesus, the Pharisees asked Jesus, and they said to him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the first commandment. And then he said, ah, here's purpose number three. What's purpose two? Love God. Purpose three? Love your neighbor. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments are all about God. Don't have any other gods. Don't make any idols. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. And then the last six are about your neighbor. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't envy. Jesus is taking all ten commandments and he's putting them into two. And what is the root of both of them? Love. God wants us saved. Why? Because he loves us. He made us. Created us out of love. But it doesn't end there. Unless... You're on your deathbed, <laughs> or you're hanging on the cross next to Jesus, okay? Well, if you've escaped the flames in the lastminute.com by accepting Jesus as your Savior, consider yourself very lucky. But I wouldn't want to risk and wait until that time, because if it's an abrupt exit from this world, you don't have that opportunity. That guy on the cross is a very lucky man. But for the rest of us, we have a life to live. So Jesus says, so Jesus says, God wants us first to be saved. And secondly, love the Lord our God and then love our neighbor. And this, um, this instruction is echoed many times. And I'm just going to name them. We're not going to read them. I'm just going to name them. Matthew 5.43, Matthew 19.19, 19, 
Mark 12, 12, 31, Galatians 5, 14, James 2, verse 8, Luke 10, verse 27, Leviticus 19, 18, Mark 12, 33, Romans 39, and so the list goes on and on and on and on, speaking about the root of love. I love you so much, I made you. Now love me. And when you love me, then you'll start to love your neighbor. Why? There's a purpose. So who's your neighbor? <laughs> well, Jesus used the parable of the Samaritan. So it's easy to love those that are lovable, isn't it? <laughs> but what about those that aren't so really lovable? Itchy and scratchy. The ones that, like, don't rub us up the right way. In this room, we're brothers and sisters, aren't we? And there are other congregations that we're brothers and sisters part of. But outside of this room. What about those people? Um, and I would ask you to consider this. If you're not loving your neighbor, do you love God? Because if you don't love him first, you won't love your neighbor. So there's almost a progression here. If you're finding it hard to love your neighbor, then you've got to go back and ask, well, do I love you, Lord, enough that I love you and your love is in me, and from there there's an overflow of our love to one another? You see, God doesn't call us to love one another on our own strength. No. He fills us with his love to love one another. There's a purpose, purpose in that. So we can love one another here. That's easy. <laughs> and then there's the scripture at the end of his ministry where Jesus says in Matthew 28, called the Great Commission. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make what? Disciples, not converts. We can make converts. I got them saved. Hallelujah. Good luck. No, that's not what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to make disciples. How do you make disciples of someone? How do you make a disciple of someone if you don't intentionally spend time with them? See, discipleship is being together. Making a convert is leading someone to the Lord. Hallelujah. It starts there. But discipleship is much deeper than that. So Jesus has spent three years preaching about loving God and loving one another. And then right at the end, he gives the instruction. Go make disciples of one another. And I would see that as a purpose. To share the good news with those that don't know Jesus. So we see this, almost this continuity. Number one, God wants us saved. Number two, from there we learn to love the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. From there we learn to love one another. From there we call to go to the world. Who's the world? Could be someone at work, could be your neighbor across the road, someone in your digs, someone in another digs. Someone at school with you, 
to share the good news. Why? Because we want to get them saved. So they too can learn to love the Father and learn to love others and perhaps share the gospel. Why? So that someone might get saved. <laughs> and so it goes. Why? Because God, because Jesus died for all of us. But only, that only those that receive him will receive the reward. And so I want to take you one step further. <laughs> and this is a scripture that's often, I think, misquoted. So people want to, what they do is they use it to encourage one another, but they only quote half the scripture. And it's Romans 8, 28. And I know you've heard it before, but let's read it. And it says, he writes and he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Amen? Oh no, it doesn't end there. Who have been called according to his purpose. Oh, what's God's purpose for you? Parables, parables of the talents. Jesus refers many times to producing fruit, doesn't he? So that scripture, if we're going to take that scripture in context, we know that we works all for the good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose? Well, what's your purpose? To be saved, to love God, to love others, to share the gospel so that they can be saved. How do we do that? We do that by the parade of people we had here this morning, leading communities, working in kids' church, working in youth. Maybe God's called you to be an evangelist or a pastor. Or a prophet. Or a teacher. Or maybe just to open your home. Or maybe to go on outreaches. Or maybe to be a theologian. I don't know what God's called you to. Do you? Because he's called you to something. If 1 Corinthians 12 talks so much about the body of Christ and each part playing its part, that means you have a part to play, doesn't it? We're not here just to receive. We're here to grow in Christ so that we can play a part. We have a purpose. And uh, thanks, Amma. And we know. And it's when. And actually, I think that scripture is the wrong way around. If you've been called, who have been called according to his purpose, then God will work out all things for your good. We need to know. We need to find out. We need to seek, Lord, what is your purpose for my life? I never expected to be standing up here preaching, ever, or leading a congregation. I never saw that as my purpose, but he saw that. I didn't. And here I am. Not because I think I can, but because he decided I should. Okay? I want to ask you, what's your purpose? Ask him. He'll reveal it to you. And so for me, that sets a very important precedent, and it's this. Our primary purpose is all those things that I've mentioned. Be saved, loving God, loving one another. That's our primary purpose. Our secondary purpose, outside of that, is to have a job. Earn an income. Have a family. 
or stay single. Matters not. See, God never worries about abundantly blessing the Israelites because he can do that. What's he interested in? Their heart. Have a job. Earn an income. Just don't allow money to become an idol. Don't, you want to you swim every day? Go swim. Just don't let it become an idol. Do you want to buy a holiday house? Go buy a holiday house. You want to buy a holiday farm somewhere? Earn the money. Go buy it. Don't let it distract you away from your primary purpose, which is what? To be saved, to love God, to love people, and to find your purpose in the kingdom. Because God will bless you with those things. He will. <laughs> it's of no consequence to him to bless us. It's of no consequence for him to give. But it's of every consequence to him whether he has our hearts. Does that make sense? And that's our purpose, is to give our hearts to him and to do those things. And I want to finish, I'll come to land. I'm, I'm jumping a little bit past here. Practically, what does that mean? This outworking of loving one another. So I would ask you today, and I would challenge you with this. If you look around this room, just look around you right now. Everyone, have a look around. Look at the faces around you. I would ask you today, who did you intentionally, in the last week or the last month, intentionally contact with a message of encouragement, Time for a coffee or a meal. Anyone in this room? I'm not, don't answer me. I'm asking you to consider for yourself. Who did you intentionally reach out to in this room? Because if you didn't, there's a good chance you're not doing it out there. And I'm not talking about just a social. I'm talking about intentionally sitting down with someone and saying, hey, how's it going? How are you doing in the Lord? Something I pray with. You see, because if we can't love one another here, because here we're all on the same page. We all listen to the same guy on a Sunday. We worship together. It's a safe place. I trust most of the, most, I trust everyone here that we're all on the same page. We have the same vision. We're all going in the same similar direction. Am I right? Because we're hearing the same message. Are you reaching out to one another? It's not a rebuke. It's a challenge. Because if you're not, I would say to you, well, if you're not doing it here, are you doing it out there? Maybe you are, but it's un unlikely. Maybe it's too strong a word, but the chances are not because we practice. What we practice here is what we do out there. So we need to exercise that here first. And we've got new community groups starting on Wednesday. It's a great opportunity. There's new people coming together that haven't been together before in the same group. Reach out to one another. But don't let it become a cocoon of me and these people. Practice your gifts. Reach out. Get to know one another. But realize that there's a world out there that's dying. And Jesus wants us to reach out to them in love and invite them in. And I loved what Michael said. He's absolutely right. Christmas and Easter, it's the two times that twice a year that people feel guilty enough to go to church. 
Easter and Christmas. And the rest of the year, church can wait. Ask your, tell your friends, hey, we've got a church service on Sunday. Don't be upset if they can't make it. Just invite them. Hey, we're meeting. We're joining. Come with. Love to have you there. Come on. And, um, but I, I'm coming back to the point. We need to practice that in this context. I ask, Lord, that you would stir us, Lord. Everyone seated here today, Lord, is here probably because they are a believer. And that's amazing. Truly is amazing. We are, we are part of the remnant, even as it was shared on Friday night. We're the small percentage of the city that comes together in the morning and in the evening to celebrate and to worship and to listen to a word, to pray together. We really are the minority in the world today, but we shouldn't be backfooted about it. But Lord, that we count it as a privilege to be here. But Lord, you didn't call us just to be saved. There's an outworking of that, Lord. There's a purpose that you have for us. And the purpose is primarily, Lord, the purpose of love, the purpose that you had for us is to love you, to love one another, and to reach out to others who don't know you in love. And that, Lord God, has to be our primary focus, Lord. That is why you, that is why Jesus, you came to die on the cross for us. So that the world might know the good news that you came to save us. So Lord, I pray today that we would be stirred and that we would realize that our lives outside of that, they're not unimportant. Of course we need to work. Your word says if we will not work, we will not eat. We have to work. And there's stresses and strains that come with that, Lord. But Lord, that we would put aside the clutter of our daily lives and, we, and raising kids and, and, and. And families that are sick and siblings and friends that we need to take care of and circumstances that are tough. I realize, Lord, that those things can't be ignored. But Lord, that we would keep the main thing the main thing. And we would ask you, Lord, what is my purpose? I know it's to love you, and I know it's to love my neighbor. But help me to find the grace and the enthusiasm to do the things that you've called me to do. Play my part in this body, the body of Christ. And Lord, that we would make you our purpose. <laughs> that we would make you our focus, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, you came to die, Lord. You came with that purpose in mind, and even though it was the, the most humiliating thing that a man could do, you never wavered. You did what the Father sent you to do. Lord, that we would have the same guile, the same deliberate intention to do what it is you've called us to do. And we would keep you our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen.